0: We are singing about our king. Let's give him a clap offering. The king of kings. The lord of lords. Who has broken every chain. Thank you lord. Every chain. Thank you lord. And right now maybe you still have some chains. Maybe you have some chains. Let's declare it in the name of Jesus today. Those chains are no more. Amen? Amen? Let me tell you, he is here today. He is in this house. You are in the right place today. He wants to come. He wants to move in your life. In fact, he will move in your life today in Jesus' name. Well, we want to welcome everybody to Spruce Grove Community Church. Those of you watching online, we're glad you're watching us today. We can't wait to see you in the physical. May the Lord bless you. We want to welcome our visitors. I know we have some new ones today. Welcome to church. This is church, the body of Christ coming together, worshiping our king. We pray that God would touch you today, that he would move in your lives in a powerful way. Amen, church? He can do that. That's who he is. So we are going to worship the King of Kings, who is our healer, our deliverer, the chain breaker. Whatever you need today, that's who he is. So as we worship him, let's claim that in Jesus' name. Amen? All right, let's worship him.
1: Now, some of you might be thinking... You know what? I, I'm actually doing pretty good. My life's pretty good. You know, I'm I'm in my 60s. Maybe I'm in my late 60s. You know, I've raised my kids. I have the home. Things are going pretty good for me. And, you know, I'm not really so much conscious that there's a battle to be won. Though, I, You know, I know there's darkness out there. But I'm telling you, right here, right now, right in this room, there are people who are struggling. There are people for whom the clouds of heaviness and darkness have crept into their lives, crept over and are presently seizing them. And so we're looking for a breakthrough, not just for us, not just so we can enjoy, you know, our present plateaued level of accomplishment, but we're trying to bring others into this overcoming victory. Now, the reality is that glory, that power... Paul said this, he said, God shone into us something. And he, then he talked about it, he said, so we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power might be of God. So I'm going to declare to everyone who's struggling, for everyone who feels like the weight of the enemy in the battle is too hard for you. I'm saying that that's a lie. That that is a part of the deception, that is a part of the attack right there. To nullify your confidence, to nullify your fight capacity. And I'm telling you, there's something inside of you that is greater than anything the enemy can throw at you. And I'm saying, as you begin to worship, let that thing rise up. Break off the power of self-centered thinking. Break off the power of self-pity right now. Stop thinking, why me? How come things are hard for me? Stop it right now and come up and begin to praise him. Lord, you are the waymaker. I'm in a dark place, but you are the waymaker. And there is a line between here and the place of victory, and I'm going to take it right now. You are the waymaker. Your name is great. And greatly to be praised. And I'm going to praise you. No matter what I feel. No matter what I think. No matter what circumstances weigh me down. I am going to praise you now. Let's do that. I want to declare. God's provision and God's plan for you. As you might be watching online right now. Or tomorrow the next day. Or you might be right here in this room. But you know when it comes to. The wrestling that we have. And the Bible says that we don't wrestle with people. People are not our real problem. Our problem is principalities and powers. Spiritual wickedness in high places. And what happens is in your life you may feel like you're running through a forest of Velcro. And the real problem is you're just wearing the wrong kind of fabric. You're, you're wearing the fabric... That catches on everything because Velcro, you know the, how that works. But I'm telling you, when they came for Jesus, when they came to kill him in his own hometown, they amassed like a mob and they went, they went to throw him over a cliff. But it says he passed through the midst of them because he wasn't wearing anything that could stick to Velcro. He wasn't wearing anything that they could grab a hold of. This is the secret a victory in Christianity as God is wanting to clothe you in something that the enemy can 't touch, our God dwells in unapproachable light, and so if you find yourself snagged, the Holy Spirit is saying, "I want to bring attention to that snag, and I want you to divest yourself of that thing, that weight, that that thing that keeps catching that offense, that struggle, that emotional thing. there is a way out." Father, I declare today, Lord, we break the power. We break the power. We break the power of witchcraft. We break the power of those things that have been assigned to the saints in this room. We break the power right now. And we say to you, saint of God, come up out of there. Come up out of there. Come up out of there. Come up out of there right now. Come up out of depression. The gate is open. The door is open. Father, I pray for everybody watching, everybody listening, everybody in this room. God, I break the power of shame off of you. I say in Jesus' name, the accusations that are against you, That cause you to feel subpar. That cause you to feel that you're not worthy. You know what? It's not that they're not true. It's not that they're not correct. It's not that they're not accurate. It's that they don't matter. They don't matter. The blood of Jesus is what qualifies you. The blood of Jesus is what gives you the right to come up out of the darkness. The blood of Jesus is what gives you the authority to come boldly before the presence of God. Not your moral goodness. Not your perfect intention. Not your flawless record. You have no blamelessness in and of yourself. But the blood of Jesus Christ gives you a right to walk in the light. So stand up and walk. Come out. Come up, come out, come up. Freedom from shame. Freedom from heaviness. Freedom from condemnation. Father, we, uh, we believe there are answers. We believe there are solutions. We believe that you are the way maker. That no situation is hopeless. No life so far gone that it cannot be redeemed. Oh God, thank you that you are the God who makes a way where there is no way. You create ways if necessary. And so, Father, we, we say right now as we, as we come into your presence, we want to hear your word as we posture ourselves before you to say, Oh God, Heal our land. Start with us, Father. Start with this terrain that is our being. But, Father, we say heal our land. We are in the restoration business. God, you are in the restoration business. So, Father, pour out on us the abilities the techniques, the wisdom, the understanding, the knowledge, the glory, the power. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, this morning when we were praying, somebody began to prophesy about uh, really what amounts to ancient paths. Ancient paths. And, and this is a prophetic terminology. Obviously, it's going to refer to something natural. But ancient paths have to do with the way of salvation, the way of holiness. These are terms that are used sporadically throughout the scripture. But the the reality is that there is a way for you to go from where you are into where you need to be. and And if you are intent on going there, if you really hunger and thirst for righteousness, there's nothing that can stop you. There's nothing that can stop you. And you think, well... Well, that's not been my experience. <laughs> I I've, I've felt stopped. I felt hindered. I felt like I couldn't go forward in this. And to that we always reply the same thing. Let God be true and every man a liar. <laughs> Let God be true and every man a liar. And I can't get into all the specific things, but I want to establish today that no matter what you're in, no matter what circumstances, and there might be somebody who's just coming out of Satanism that's watching. There might be somebody, and you think, I think there are demon spirits that re- visit me in the night season. I feel like my mind gets drawn into lines that I can't seem to shake free from. I'm telling you, there is power in the name of Jesus, and there is a provision already made for you. There is a provision And victory begins with believing that. Victory begins with making no excuses. Well, you don't understand my life. You don't understand my upbringing. You don't understand the things that happened to me when I was a child. Well, you're looking at a man that may not understand your life, but I've had a fairer number of things happen to me. And I don't mind telling you that I grew up in a family of violence. I grew up in a family where there was witchcraft. I grew up in a family where I was sexually molested, not by a family member, but an outsider. I experienced probably most of what you've experienced, some more, some less. But that doesn't change the reality that God is the way maker, that God has the power to deliver you. And what he's invited us into is what the Bible calls unapproachable light. That there is unapproachable light. What, what does that mean? Unapproachable. That 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 there is a power in that light that filters out darkness. And unless you detach yourself from darkness, you can only enter that light so far. And each increments, incremental step forward requires a letting go of darkness. And you think, well, where? What is that darkness? Well, if you hang around here a little bit, we'll touch on it. Because your flavor may not be mine and may not be somebody else's. But I guarantee you, this is the truth. This is the pathway that Jesus set up. This is a paradigm. This is a plumb line. He He said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So that means wherever there isn't full victory, there is a lie. Wherever there isn't complete, absolute uh, emancipation in your life, there is a deception somewhere that you're holding on. There is a belief that you hold on to. Smile. Say, I know Jesus loves me. (laughs) I want to be free. So I want more truth. You know what distinguishes the Christian that doesn't make it very far in this thing from the one that goes a long way? One thing, one commodity, the love of the truth. The love of the truth is the one thing. How much you love the truth, how much you are, truth? How much you are willing to absorb. Remember one time a friend of mine, you know his name, he's a significant minister and he was having a lot of people delivered from demons at this phase in his ministry and and I had a woman who seemed to have demons that I knew and she wanted to help so we we came over to her house and I brought my friend and and so he was he was leading through her her through some simple declarations now she's not so demonized that she can't just say the right thing uh, or or you know mimic you know he says say this say Jesus I want to be free and and she would sit there and she would hesitate, and uh, and take her time, and finally, after five minutes, you know, she would finally make the statement. And these are, these are simple things. He'd ask her a question, and she just, it was, it was embarrassing. I thought, I thought, oh, I brought my friend here for this. What was the problem? She didn't really want to be free. She actually had spent a life enjoying the nurture of people who were paying attention to her, and she was milking this for every second. Finally, he says, listen, I got things to do. If you don't want freedom, and then quickly she picked up the pace. So it was within her willpower to do that. But what I realized is the love of the truth, the the ability to snap to it, to grab it quickly, it's not always there. So the question is, what are those things? What are those things that we have to jump over, seem to be like hurdles? Have you ever, you ever, you know, said something really nasty to your wife or your 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 friend or somebody, anybody, and you know, you know, you should apologize, but it takes you a lot longer, and you think once you do it, you think, well, that was easy. So what happened between? here and here. what What is it that you... I mean, it's just a simple mental decision. You know you need to do it. You know as a Christian you don't have a choice. We always should be humbling ourselves, but yet, what is it that it... What is that indulgence that we must give ourselves all this space before we just say, oh, I'm so sorry. I was thinking about this the other day because... Now, this is... I still got a message, but I'm going to get to it. I come from a long line of very proud people, and proud people are broken people. Insecurity is really what's behind the mask of pride, and pride is a, a demonstrable strength in lieu of compensation. You know, it's we're compensating for something, and... uh you know there was just I remember I, I hated being wrong, I hated looking bad. I hated I hated you know I mean, this is why I didn't like standing up in front of a class when I was five years old. you know I just the pressure of performance, the things you know, I just just really disliked this and And yesterday i was I was playing pickleball. Now, you may not know what pickleball. Pickleball is incidental in the story, but I was playing pickleball, and i I confused our score at one point. And I I said to my partner, I said, oh, no, this this is our score. And he said no. And I remember a few years back, my wife would remember as well, there was a time when it would be really hard to recant. It would be really hard to make that turnaround. That's what repentance is. Repentance is a turnaround. It, It comes out of an acknowledgement. And sometimes... Repentance is harder than it needs to be. And this, in this, even this simple scenario where, you know, it's not like I've invested my whole life and my image, my reputation on this, but sometimes when you're so insecure, the least scenario to say, oh, my bad, yeah, that was my mistake, I, I confuse it. I mean, it's a simple thing to say and do unless you have this, these things. Anybody identify with any of this? Have you ever struggled with that needing to turn around? Why does it take me so long? God is looking for a people who turn around and who turn around quickly. And he's looking for them in particular. I mean, he's looking for anybody, but but the reality is his responsiveness, his power released will come to those who are willing to turn around quickly. And what that means is if you have 10 million turnarounds to be made over the course of your life, you better get with it. There's no time to spare. And every, every gap where you indulge self-pity, where you indulge, yeah, but if you hadn't said that, then I wouldn't have been mean. All the justifications, all the excuses, all of the, yeah, but what will this person think? All of the All of the equity that you think you're losing in that turnaround, how you measure it, how you see it, how you play with it, how, man, wasted time when God is saying, look at, turn into the light and turn now and turn quickly because the light is deliverance. The light is purification. The light is unapproachable to darkness, but it will change you when you turn into it, no matter who you are, no matter what you're coming out of. It will free you. And this is the offer that God is making for every single one of us. So I'm, I'm believing, and I believe in this. And I've said this before that there's a generation that the Bible calls the generation of Jacob. And it's, this generation, I believe, will be distinguished by this particular commodity. They will be willing to turn, and they will be willing to turn hard and fast. The, this, is, this is what unsaved people have over people who have been raised in, relative, uh, you know, good, in a good environment. We know the darkness we're in. When I got saved, I knew the darkness of what I was in, and I didn't want it. I hated it. And I turned and I turned and I turned and I turned and I quickly passed spiritually in terms of stature and authority and clarity of thought and all the rest of those things that you attribute to the kingdom of heaven. I quickly passed people had spent their lives in church. Not because I was any better, but because I knew what I wanted and I wanted freedom. Father, I pray today, Lord, for a grace for freedom. Father, that the path will become ever clearer before us. God, that all the excuses, all the things that obfuscate this decision-making process that we have about whether we're going to humble ourselves, who we're going to blame, whether we're going to take ownership over these things. Father, in Jesus' name, make it clear for us, I pray. Amen. So, that leads us to a little thing I want to share with you, because part of my passion i started writing an article recently here i started writing this article because at the beginning of our mini- my ministry when i graduated from bible school I, the lord clearly called me clearly clearly called me i mean it was it was so divine i just knew that i knew that i knew and you know lots of prophetic witness lots of evidence all around people uh you know affirmed that but um, at one point I started people asked me you know well what's your ministry and uh, I would start to tell them now there's a big story behind this I'm going to try and filter this down I would try to tell them and I would just stumble over my words and eventually I realized that God didn't want me to talk about me <laughs> but, I, but, how, uh, but, but I'm starting this ministry I need supporters I need a team with me He said, well, I'm a pretty good team. That's what the Lord was saying. I'm a pretty good team. If I support you, things will go well. Focus on getting me behind you first. And that's really the whole message of this thing. But but there is this dynamic in around ministry and church and stuff where where if you could formulate your vision if you could actually condense down your statement of purpose if you could actually make it easier you know lower the hurdles for people to support you make it clear get you know create a vision because people follow vision they say so i'm saying god you know what what specifically have you asked me to do crickets nothing I got no clarity on this. And I remember looking at this guy's ministry and this guy's ministry, and they had this packaged, you know, presentation. I thought, Lord, give me something that I could present. You know, give me something, because this is hard. Well, recently I realized I have a vision. It's not being the pastor of a church. It's not being an apostolic leader. It's not being a prophetic teacher. I mean, those are parts of my function, but what I realize is this is the vision that's been burning in my heart from the beginning, but I never really saw it, and it has to do with a people that would come. It has to do about a generation that would arise, that I just referenced in the generation of Jacob. When I read Romans 8, and it talks about the, the creation groaning, and waiting and, and and in a birth process waiting for anticipating looking to the manifestation of what the bible calls the sons of god that's that's always been the thing that's excited me because i see a quality of believer It's not reflected in this denomination or that one or this church or that church, but it's reflected in the person of Jesus Christ. The measure of the stature or the fullness of Jesus is what we are aspiring to. And when I think of everything that stops us, everything that slows us down, everything that brings us into competition with one another, it's always some kind of perspective that is not rooted in that, the fact that He alone is our measure, that what we are aspiring to is to look like Him. What we are aspiring to is to walk in the power that He walked in, to walk in the wisdom, to, to release the kind of light that He did. We could spend a lot of time talking about the nuances of that, and let me tell you, let me be clear, perfectly clear about this, because it's on the next horizon. The political realm belongs to the church. The political realm belongs to the church. When we do that, and we're going to dominion, we're going to have dominion in that region, not by being political, but by being the light. But by being the truth. Do you know that Jesus was political all the time? People are not going to like this. You might be online. You may think, where? How is Jesus being political? The Pharisees and the Sadducees were a governmental structure. They dominated the whole cultural, religious life of Israel. And they ruled, ruled through political means. And it was them that tried to entrap Jesus by polarizing, which is what politics does, by polarizing and creating arguments and trying to make neither of these fit who Jesus wanted to be. So they would always ask him questions to make him look like he was over here or over here. Because if he could look like he's here or here, then, okay, the Romans will be against you if you're here, and the Jews will be against you if you're here. Those are political dynamics. And you know what he said? He came up with a word that that exposed the powerlessness, the emptiness of the question, it exposed the, the false intent, it exposed the nature of the ones who are asking the questions. You see, that's what Jesus did again and again and again and again. And today, there's a political spirit on the horizon that the church is called to have dominion over. And it will ask you questions and it will pose situations that if you say things a certain way, these guys are going to go after you. And if you say it this way, these guys are going to go after you. But I'm telling you. There is a manifestation of the truth through the Spirit of God, through the Holy Spirit inside of you that will not only bring clarity to what these people want and what these people want, but it will expose the very nature and the very, very agenda of the person asking the questions. And it will expose the fruitlessness of the world and the power base that's built through this kind of confusing talk. That's what the kingdom of God is coming to do. And when it does that, it gives power and authority to the one who dismantles those forces. And you are dealing with this probably every day of your life. Every time there's a disagreement. Pastors, leaders, apostles, teachers, regular people, counselors. When you're talking to a husband and a wife, you're entering a political situation. A political conflict, whether he said, she said, this interest and this interest. So let's not pretend, let's not pretend that that world out there is insignificant. It is a measuring tool for the efficiency and power of a church that is rising into unapproachable light. And when we have the fullness of that thing, not Rome, not Ottawa, not, not journalists, not newspapers, not social media, not Facebook, not Instagram, not Twitter will be able to stop you. There is authority. There is power coming to a people who turn quickly. There is power coming to a people who are willing to divest themselves of every tiny bit of darkness in their life. Who are, who are realizing, I don't want to be walking or running through a Velcro forest wearing a Velcro coat. Get snagged into oblivion. There's the people that are gonna pass through the midst of these political hurdles, and they're gonna be seen to be other than. When Jesus spoke, the normal people, the regular people who up to this point were impressed. With the prowess and the skill and the intelligence and the craftiness of the Pharisees and those leaders. Because these were the successful people in that culture until Jesus came. Until Jesus came, these people were the highest possible. I mean, this is what we aspire to. And so a lot of people thought, I could never do that. I'm going to stay with my sinner's ways. I just can't be that good. And then Jesus comes along and says, yeah, they're not even good. And began to dismantle that system that enshrined these people in a position of power they didn't deserve. See, this is what justice, this is what the kingdom is meant to do. When you walk in light, you create a line. You create a plumb line that the world will snap to grid to. Whatsoever's born of God overcomes the world. And God is saying, I am calling a people that I'm going to be I'm going to cause them to be born from above. I'm going to take them through a process where I'll extinguish from their lives every shade of darkness, and they will walk in the light. (sighs) And this is why John says, walk in the light as he is in the light. Oh, that much? Is it it enough just to have a little bit of light? You know, I I know there's some darkness in me, but you know, when are you going to be satisfied? It's not about being me and satisfied. It's about you appropriating a promise that I've paid dearly for. And which many choose to ignore. There's truth just over the hill of our lives. There's, There's truth just over the hill of your life. And the grace that's being ministered right now is a desire. There's a hunger inside of this seed that's being released right now that will cause you to desire truth. That You know, because there's some of us, where you know, I'm a pretty good Christian. I, I help people. I'm a servant. I'm pretty loving. I'm pretty this. I'm pretty that. That's great. Are you as good at all of those things as Jesus was? If not, then turn. 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 Where? are the hidden allegiances? Where is the reluctance? Where is the hesitation? What is it rooted in? So, I hope that makes sense. (laughs) So, let me read a couple of passages. Years ago, Isaiah 62.10 was very significant to me. Is about the time shortly after I came to this church, and uh, I was out preaching, and I came back, and uh, Chris comes up to me and he says, "Hey, I want to do a conference, and I feel we need to call it the Gate Conference." I said, uh, "He he said, you know, what what do you think of that?" I said, "Uh, "Have you been listening to my preaching?" Uh, He said. I can't remember what he said, but it's like, apparently not. You know, I said, I've been reading and preaching from Isaiah 62.10 for about the last three months, everywhere I go, and I was pretty sure I shared it here. but You were probably, you know, doing some legitimate administrative thing. Youth pastor kind of thing. Chris was the youth pastor. But this is what it says, Isaiah 62.10. It's a prophetic passage for us today. It says, go through... Go through the gates, prepare the way for the people, build up, build up the highway, take out the stones, lift up the banners for the people. And we could spend a lot of time just talking about these things, but essentially the message is this, is that when you go through, when you turn and walk into more light, basically you create a path for somebody to come behind you. That when Then when you choose to walk in the light, when you choose... To to go through something, you you create an opportunity for somebody else. And this is, I mean, listen to this again. Go through. Go through the gate, prepare the way for people. When you go through the through the gate, you're preparing the way for somebody else. You know what? Just by somebody merely seeing you. I I want what they have. I want where they're going. Prepare the way for build up build up a highway. See, what's happening is each time we go through, each time we step into more light, we make it easier for people behind us to step into that light. And the whole history of Christianity says as much. You know, it used to be a time in the early 1900s when when you went to a city, you could find or count the number of people that spoke in tongues on one hand. And then the outpouring of the Holy Spirit came and dozens turned into hundreds, which turned into thousands, which turned into tens of thousands, which now has turned into millions. That the experience that was relegated to a tiny sliver of the Christian population suddenly opened a door and that went to the many. See, what God does is he touches the one in order to touch the many. That's his plan, that's his power, that's what he does. When he delivers one person, he somehow gives that person the ability to bring deliverance to other people. Light begets light. And so, this path that he's building on the earth, the highway of holiness that people are running on, he doesn't want it to just be a path, he wants it to be a highway. So he says, build up the highway. As you go through, as you enter, you build up the highway. That's one of the paradigms on which this church is built. Because when we worship, and if you're around here for any length of time, you realize that we're, we're saying we're worshiping. But when we're worshiping, we're not just singing songs. We're actually moving from one geographical position in the spirit to another geographical position in the spirit. And we've likened it to ascending a mountain. And while some people in churches may be completely oblivious to that ascension and just come in and choose what songs they like and have a day where, oh, I think I like to sing, I don't like to sing, I'm just going to sit at the back and fold my arms and wait for something to happen. The truth is others are going into something deliberately, knowingly, because they know something's there. And when they begin to enter, it opens a door. And the atmosphere that's on the other side of that door that was heretofore closed opens up and there's something begins to spill into the room that starts to awaken others that, hey, the presence of God is here. Where is that coming from? And it could take you a month, it could take you years to realize that 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 presence is coming from people that have entered into something. And that's scattered throughout the room. There's some people that are only singing. There's some people that are only flag-waving. There's some people that are only enjoying the music. But there are others that are entering into something. But each time in a geogra- geographic place like Spruce Grove, in a church like this, when we begin to enter, when we begin to break through, because there are principalities and powers right now that are postured, they don't care if you're a Christian. They don't care if you believe moral things. They don't care if you read your Bible. But don't, just don't enter the realm of the Spirit. Don't open the door between the natural and the Spirit. Don't do that. Do anything else. Considered Christian in approach or behavior, but don't do that. And the war is against that. The war is against what a man who wrote the, a book called The Gate Church is gate churches. Gate churches are churches where people, spiritually minded people, I realize that hey, worship just isn't about reminiscing, worship just isn't about sentimentality and remembering at the cross, at the cross and singing some old hymn that made you sentimental enough to cry. Worship is about a present experience where the invisible glory of God is approached by a people who understand that they are called to go through. They are called to go through the gate. They are called to enter into a realm. And that each time they do, the pathway between here and there grows broader, Each time they do, the path, the highway becomes sure. They are opening something up. They are opening a door. They are building up a highway. The church of Jesus Christ of this next generation will be a church that knows how to prophesy, that knows how to sing, that knows how to worship in spirit and truth because we are creating a connection between heaven and earth. And it is the summation of the cry of the historical church that says, "Your kingdom, come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven." And that language, that language was borrowed because in that day we had something called the Pax Romana. And it was a level of peace and cohesion throughout the known world. And and what they did, the Romans created highways. Now, all roads led to Rome, unfortunately. But there was a system of highways that enabled missionaries to go to places that they could never go before. The journey was just too hard. But once they built a highway, now the people could go. Now the people could go back to Jerusalem. I mean, it it allowed... Transport on a level the world had never previously known. We are called to open something up. Well, I'm called to evangelism. Praise God, then open a door. When you're evangelizing, you're not just giving doctrinal facts. If you're only giving doctrinal facts, you're, con- you're convincing a carnal dead mind of, of uh, historical truths. But if you're evangelizing, but you're actually opening a door to the life of the Spirit, you're, the chances of being transformation are much, 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 much greater. And this is what we're learning in here. That this is not about just mere theology. This is not about biblical knowledge. This is not about historical facts. This is about encounters with the living God go through. So, I share that to highlight the path that you are on as a believer. The path that you are on as a Christian. When, the, when you got born again, something happened that was defined by Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It was defined by Paul as actually it's 3, 4, and 5. But he said he said, light shone. Come on. When you got saved. Peter said, it was a seed that went into you. But the seed going in or the light shining is the same thing. You were touched with something eternal. When you get born again, it's not just a vague idea that that I oh Now I did not believe Jesus was the Son of God and now I believe Jesus. Yes, that's a part of the equation. But what really happened is an eternal commodity called the Word of God was planted inside of you. And the DNA of that that commodity called the Word of God has the very nature of God Himself. That God says, listen, you have no hope of being good. You have no hope of of matching my righteousness. There's there's nothing, no obedience to the law, no strict disciplines you could bring upon yourself that could ever equate to the righteousness that is in me. Realize that all have fallen. All have fallen short of the glory of God. But here's what I'm going to do for you. Anyone who believes, I'm going to take a seed, an eternal seed. Filled with unequivocal power. And I'm going to put it at the core of your being. I'm going to put it into the dirt of your life. I'm going to put it alongside the sin. And the selfishness. And the brokenness. But I'm telling you, it's a magic seed. It has more magic than Jack's beans. It has something better. But it will open up a way between heaven and earth. Just like Jack's beans. It will create a channel for you to be able to communicate with God. And this is my destiny for you, that you not, you, I didn't call you to struggle to be good. I didn't call you to just, you know, live in shame and guilt all week long because you can't change your heart. I'm saying there's a power inside of you. There's already something given to you that will transform how you think, how you feel. How you deal with persecution. How you deal with those who hate you. How you deal with those who curse you. It is an overwhelming power. And there's no limits to what that thing can do. And creation itself is looking... Looking and waiting and and I know right now creation is reverberating with a sense of excitement. But it's saying we've never seen a generation like this generation now. In creation, I don't know if they talk to themselves. But there is a knowledge and an anticipation enough to suggest some kind of intelligence that, that, that this thing is coming to a fullness. And a generation is about to break forth. Who wants to be part of that generation? Who wants to learn to turn quickly? Who wants to learn to love the truth? Who wants to say, Lord, I don't care. I want to be a part of anything that overcomes the world. And anything in me that's not overcoming the world, I'm going to begin to suspect. Well, I went to work and they were mean to me, so I hate them. You know what? You didn't overcome the world. What is it that inside of you, that when they cursed you, you wanted to curse them back? What is that thing? That thing needs to die. That needs to, needs to give way. You need to turn on that. Don't justify that. Don't pretend that that's nothing. Don't, don't legalize that in your own mind. Say, well, yeah, but they started it. Jesus is on the cross, and when they're killing him, when they're spitting on him, when they're dividing his very garments that his wonderful mom gave to him, No, he went, Father, forgive them. Because inside of him, he was compelled by a force greater than hate. He was compelled by a force greater than vengeance. The living word of God was filled with the nature of God. Father, we want to be a part of a generation, an overcoming generation. Oh. And you may be here, and you might be 10 years old, 20, 40, 50, 60, or 70. But I guarantee you, there's more for you to have. And if you're 60 or 70 years old, chances are, if you will give yourself to these things, that the last years of your life, the last 10, 15, 20 years of your life, could, could be the very best, because you've actually broken through. Most of the pride, most of the, most of the egotism, most of the lust, most of the things that actually keep young people bogged down, you've already broken through. So I'm calling you in this day, older generation, white hairs, go through, go through the gate. Open the door, build up the highway, lift up a banner for the people. But here's what Paul says about these encounters in 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. He says, now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. That verse is a summary of your whole journey. From the day you are born again till the day you die, you are invited to have successive encounters with the glory of God and be changed from glory to glory. Or as in, it was written elsewhere, from faith to faith. And the analogy he's given is that, you know, when Moses went up the mountain... When Moses went up the mountain to meet with God in in Exodus 20, he went up the mountain, but there was others that went up the mountain as well. You know that. There was about 75 people that went up the mountain. You go read it. But at one point, God says to to Moses, I want you to come up higher. And and God, I mean, Moses and Jacob, uh, Joshua, go up. And they're waiting there seven days. Seven days. Well, yeah, you know, but God is mindful of my time. No, he's not. He's mindful of his. Seven days. Seven days. Well, why did he wait seven days? Because higher levels of glory require internal adjustments. In the same way, if you go to the depth of the sea, the weight, the water pressure, and you try to come up quickly, you're toast. There's something invisible, powerful in the light of God that cannot be entered into lightly. And though Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth and got to hear the voice of God, the personal voice of God, met with God numerous times face to face, this time it was going to be different. He said, I want to show you my glory. So there's always a preparation. This verse is boring from that. And it's saying, listen, when Moses came down from that mountain, he, his skin resonated. It, it had absorbed the very light of God, and people could, had to look away from him. It was so bright. He's saying, listen, this is God's plan for you. The blood of Jesus makes it possible for you to enter in and have encounters with God. And each encounter... Each and every encounter, just like that seed is in the ground and the rays of the sunlight and the watering of the water, And the rays of the sunlight and the watering of the water, they nourish something in that seed. They connect with something at the core of that seed that causes to break out of its husk and begin to produce according to the DNA that's inside it. God said, I'm going to cause you to be born again. I'm going to put a seed inside of you. But then you have the opportunity to come into my presence. You have the opportunity to draw near. And James says, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. But, you know, just because you want to draw near to God doesn't mean you can because the Bible says he resists the proud. That means he will propel you. If there's pride in your life, you're not willing to lay down, you may try to turn, but you find yourself hesitating and turning is not easy because God resists the proud. Until you're willing to pay the price of that. Hum- what, what might look like humiliation, but it's just sensible wisdom, you will stay where you are but God is saying, listen, in the same way I invited certain ones up the mountain, I'm inviting you up the mountain. But there are boundaries wherein certain things will not pass. But as you divest yourselves of them, you can come in And each time you come in closer, you are changed. And I will cause you to go from glory to glory as inside of you, the thing that I deposited in you when you became a Christian, begins to be unlocked. Unimaginable power. In Hebrews 6, it calls it this. It said, these things that you are called to experience are the powers of the age to come. Those that have repented and walked in the light get to experience the powers of the age to come. Here's my question. Have we as the church modeled a lifestyle where we are emanating and displaying the powers of the age to come? Or is, are we barely flirting with the capacity to remain moral? What am I saying? I'm saying that there are thresholds, there are levels, there are empowerments, there is grace, there is glory, there is impartation. God is desperate. Said, so "Listen, it's my good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I want. I am looking. I am eager to give some of this stuff away. And while going to heaven is already settled." sharing in my power is not. Sonship, maturity, unlocks the rights and authority of what it means to be sons of God. Creation is looking. (laughs) Creation has been subject to bondage, it says in Romans 8. And it's eager to be delivered. But it knows that its deliverance coincides with a moment of fullness. (sighs) There's a moment of fullness coming where a people unlike the earth has never seen suddenly emerge in the power and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And even as it was said of him that he received the Spirit without measure, it may be, and I'm not here to quibble, but it may be that the Spirit without measure Is what is going to be poured out in the last days. It may be that a people who have aligned themselves fully, who have decided to be quick to turn, who have hungered and thirst for truth at all costs will receive an empowerment that the very gates of hell themselves will yield their treasures. That not only will we will be walking into the camps of cults, not only will we be walking into inner cities, not only will we be displaying the power of God that confronts the Jezebels, that confronts the Satanic, that confronts the cultic, that confronts the Druids, that confronts the witchcraft, but we will harvest souls from the deepest depths of darkness. father we pray we say today worship team why don't you come and join me up here father worship we want to say today we desire the truth we desire the truth and even now if while i was talking you were thinking of times when you were stubborn if you were thinking of times when you were resistant to conviction if you were always wanting to deflect blame for your outbursts, for your unkindness, for your, uh, your hatred, for your willingness to strike somebody, uh, whatever shape that darkness has taken in your life, I hope you've been embarrassed by your recalcitrance. I hope you've been embarrassed today and wanting to pull away from that thing that would make you hesitant. I hope you want to pull away and say, Lord, I want to be one who turns quickly. Because God does not delight in punishing rebellious children. What God delights in is a child that responds quickly. This is what he loved about David. When the prophet came to David, David had the power to kill that prophet. And many kings did that kind of thing. They imprisoned them and they killed them. David immediately was smote in his heart and turned quickly. The generation of Jacob that's coming is a generation... After the heart of God. Oh, and they're a generation whose soul God loves. Father, we want to be, we want to be, let's stand up together, we want to be a part of that generation. We're saying, God, we are coming to the line. We are responding to the call. We've heard the trumpet blast. And we want more. We want more. We want more. We want more. Break the darkness beginning with the things that have a hold of me. Break the darkness with the things that have a hold of my family. Lord, bring an explosion of the glory of God that breaks the iniquity of generations. Breaks the power of shame and sin. Breaks the patterns of the occult and witchcraft and the snares and chains. Break, 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 break. Yeah. Oh. God's saying, I can give you the ability to turn. I can change your heart to show me you want it. So we're gonna worship here for a few minutes. And I want you to cry out to God. I want you to if you understand James chapter four, and where the choices are given between being a part of what God resists and and draw versus drawing near to God. He said, Weep, mourn, and lament. Let your laughter be turned to mourning. Let desperation come out. And there, here, here it is, right here. I don't think I can be desperate enough to say anything. I I don't know if I can be desperate enough to beat my chest. I don't know if I can be desperate enough to cry in front of people. I don't know. I don't know if I can be desperate enough to look like a fool. And God is saying, well, that's the test right there. Whose eyes are you on? Those around you that might judge you? Those around you that might wonder what kind of sin you're trying to get out of? Or are you more concerned with the eyes of the Lord that are looking to and fro over the face of the earth and saying, where's the one whose heart is fully mine? Come on. There's a church coming that will cry out. God, we want to cry out. Let's cry out to him. Keep releasing. Listen to the sound of the shofar. So we're going to sing for a little longer. But I want to officially close the service. If you have to go, be released to go right now with a fresh ability to question those things that limit your life. The enemy will try to tell us that this is normal. Subpar Christian living is normal. It is not. And we are looking for something higher, something better, something more powerful than human strength, sin management, intellectual discourse. We're looking for transformation. So let's continue to worship him. But if you have to go, be blessed, be free. Thanks for being with us.